podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can he come back another right hand? The Rhodes held him up there. And Ryan Rhodes will go for it here. Jamie Moore's going to be taken out. He is. It's an unbelievable win for Ryan Rhodes, who becomes the European champion at 32 after a fantastic scrap. It really was that good. And Ryan Rhodes' fairy tale story goes on. Hello Boxing Asylum listeners and welcome to another Punches from the Past where we delve into the historical archives and talk about the fights that really mattered. I'm Steve Wellings and for this special show I'm joined by Kurt Ward, David Lee and Mr Andy Patterson. Don't forget you can find previous episodes of the show over on iTunes, Tumblr and directly through our Facebook page. We've already covered uh, quite a few fights already, the two bouts between Oscar De La Hoya and Sugar Shane Mosley, Lennox Lewis, Vitaly Klitschko and the Azuma Nelson Salvador Sanchez fight as well. But this week we're going to move away a little bit from the glitz and glamour of Los Angeles and New York and hot step across the water to the Bolton Arena, no less, where Jamie Moore clashed with Ryan Rhodes on October the 23rd, 2009. It was a European title defence for Moore, which doubled as a WBC light middleweight eliminator. Uh, just looking through the career of Jamie Moore up to this point, I think it was fair to say that he was starting to get a little bit stagnant. We all knew about his talent and his potential. And he'd had a lot of wars at British title level, particularly the two fights, uh, the three fights, in fact, with Mike, uh, Mike Jones. And then the Matthew Macklin fight was an absolute classic back in 2006 for the British title, real quality fight. And then Moore had moved up to fight Sebastian Lujan in a bit of a step-up fight under Frank Maloney Promotions in Ultrincombe. He'd gone back in with Andrew Facey. Uh, Kieran Healy over in Ireland, a bit of a, a cash in there, pick-up where he got about 30 grand for winning the Irish title. And then good wins over Michel Picciarelio, to win the vacant European title and defend it against Roman Zuman, who was a pretty decent fighter back then as well. But, but we, we think that Moore had started to stagnate by the time he got to the Rhodes fight. He'd sat a lot uh, on the sidelines for a little bit too long. 
And then maybe he should have got a shot at some kind of world title beforehand, but it was Sergio Martinez's WBC that this was an eliminator for, as he also defended the European title, as we said before. And for some of our younger listeners who might not be overly familiar with the career of his opponent, Sheffield's Ryan Rhodes in particular, I'm going to hand over to Dave Lee, who's going to give us a little bit of a brief background on the Spice Boy himself, um, a bit of a revelation from a young age at the British title level. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, Rhodes was a funny one, wasn't he? I mean, he almost seemed to have two careers. I mean, like, he burst on the scene in 96 when he became the youngest British champion in, like, something like 57 years at the age of 20. You know, he beat uh, former world champion Paul Silky Jones. And, you know, as I said, the hype around him was unreal. You know, and it was further highlighted when he won the um, Best Young Boxer at the Bright, uh, Boxing Writers Annual Dinner Awards in 97. Uh, you know, just all around he was given so many plaudits. Uh, as you said, he was given the moniker of the Spice Boy, which you know kind of alienated him from the so-called hardcores. But in fairness to him, like he he was a good-looking bloke at the time, and I think Warren was trying to market him to a female fan base. A lot of the hype as well was helped by the fact that he was a product of the Winklebank gym, and of course, you know Nassim Hamid boxed out of that out of that gym, and this was during the height of Nasmania, so he definitely benefited, I think, from that Hamid link. But to be honest, despite all the hype around him around that time, I wasn't I wasn't a believer in him. Uh, to me, he was he was unquestionably very talented, you know, very naturally talented boxer. But he boxed like a man at times who was caught between styles almost. You know, he I think he was fundamentally a very solid boxer, but he tried to adopt the Ingle style, and I think he tried too hard to be flashy, and it didn't really work for him. No. He did start off as a light middleweight, and he won the light middleweight title against the aforementioned uh, Silky Jones. But he moved up the middleweight very quickly, and he rose up the WBO middleweight rankings even quicker. Now, like he was definitely being fast-tracked to uh, superstardom, but I thought at the time Warren was being over-ambitious with him. Like around that timeline, I don't know if, I don't know if you remember, but Lonnie Bradley was the WBO middleweight champion. Now, anybody who remembers Lonnie Bradley will know that you know he was no slouch. You know, he, he was a very, very good fighter. However, Bradley was forced to vacate the title due to a detached retina, which pretty much uh, ended his career, unfortunately. So with that, uh, Rose ended up getting matched with Otis Grant, who actually had uh, controversially drawn with Bradley. And they were going to contest, Rose and Grant were going to contest the uh, vacant WBO middleweight title in December of 97. They were actually due to fight on the big uh, Full Monty show in Sheffield two months before, but the WBO, for one reason or another, didn't approve it. So um, they fought in December. Rhodes ended up losing on points, and despite the ridiculously co uh, close scorecards, uh, Rhodes was given a lesson in that fight, absolute okay. lesson. Uh, Grant, Grant won by a mile, and I think uh, Rhodes' confidence took a massive dent after that. And he, re he rebounded afterward with some pretty futile wins, to be honest. But then he ran into Jason Matthews for the uh, vacant interim WBO middleweight title, and Matthews absolutely smashed him to bits, stopping him in two rounds. Uh, with that, you thought that was the end of Rhodes. I mean, he toiled around the small hall scene for a few, year, few years, and there was murmurs of him making another big splash in the boxing scene again. I mean, I remember Ringside doing a piece in him around 2002, talking about, you know, he, he was making a, a big comeback. But that was put to bed uh, when Lee Blundell, shockingly stopped Rhodes in three rounds and that left Rhodes' careers in tatters. But then something strange happened. Rhodes got himself back into contention. I, he th I think he went on something like a 10-fight win, uh, win streak. 
<coughs> excuse me, and he was offered a shot at Gary Lockett's WBU title on the undercard of the big uh, Danny Williams Matt Skelton rematch at the Millennium Stadium. Now Rhodes lost, but it was a highly credible performance, and Rhodes actually came on. I think Rhodes was dropped early on, but he came on strong in the latter, latter stages, uh, caused a lot of problems for um, Lockett, and it proved there was still life in his boxing career, and. You know, he proved that shortly after when he stopped Gary Walcombe to regain the British light middleweight title. He had first won 11 years before. I mean, you couldn't make it up. Um, it was, as I said, a second career for uh, Rose. A couple of more wins uh, followed, and that earned him a shot at the European light middleweight title, held, of course, by Jamie Moore, and that's the fight we're going to take a look at today. And I, th- I think as well, Dave, those couple of wins, I remember the defence after he beat Walcombe, who turned out to be not as good as, as Frank Maloney thought he was going to be. He, he absolutely battered Jamie Coyle on Satanta. I think it was her ITV. I don't know how Coyle lasted the distance. And then a very credible international, WBC international title win of a Vincent Vuma, who was a reasonable enough ah, South yes. African. So a couple of I solid wins there. That's correct. I think uh, the Vuma fight, was that on the undercard of here against... The Barish, or something. I think it was a Satanta show, wasn't it? Somewhere in here in Monty Barish. But yeah, it was a good win. Um, Andy, obviously, uh, Dave's laid out the career of Rhodes there from early promise to sort of get himself back into contention, and he went on to have a good career afterwards, which we'll cover later. As for Moore, um, I've said before he went stagnant, and I, I think he did. He, but he was a really exciting fighter on the way up. I'm sure you enjoyed his fights on Sky. He won a few, he lost a few, but as we'll, as we'll touch on later with the commentary, the Sky had really talked to him, and they weren't afraid to put on, um, what was it, uh, shit shows in leisure centres, as Eddie Hearn says back then. But, I mean, the atmosphere wasn't the greatest in this one, but it was decent enough. You know, Moore really got Sky behind him at this time. Yeah, he was, he was reading the, the, the crystal wave. I mean, obviously, the, the win against the, the Italian, was it Picarero, for the, for the vacant title, obviously kind of put him into a kind of higher higher platform. He was always an exciting fighter to watch, always come forward. Um, you just wonder as well, I mean, well, we mentioned it just now, but he, he did mention after the fight that, that the weight was the issue. Just remind me again, actually, because it would be a bit kind of hazy. Picarello, did he know sit on that fight, or did he, was he not offer that fight, you know, later on? Because... He was contemplating to move up to middleweight, and then I think that fight came along, and he decided he was going to stay at 154. You know, I don't blame him for trying to kind of cram himself into the weight because, as I understood it back then, European title fights were, you know, pretty poppy basically. I think it had, you know, something like anything between 20 and 30 thousand pounds or something like that for a, for a defence. So it's, it's no it's no chump change, you know, to help you kind of pay off your mortgage. But yeah, exciting fighter. But as you say, I, I think Kurt will probably get onto it as well that you know Sky were really really on the on Moore's uh, Jimmy Moore's nuts that night. You are right, Andy, regarding after the Kieran Healy fight, whenever he picked up the payday in Dublin, he was off for uh, not short of a year, about ten, nine or ten months before he fought Picciarelio. I think he had some kind of problem, maybe it was an elbow problem or something, but there was definitely political machinations as well going on. Sorry, Kurt, if you want to jump in there and give your thoughts before the fight on, the, on either guy. Yeah, well, there's already a lot has been said, but... Um... I mean, going into the fight, I know that you know Jamie Moore was obviously the favourite. I think Rhodes, like Dave said, I mean, he, he did have all the talent, but I think that style was definitely manufactured on him, and it wasn't. He, he thought he could perform in that style, and you know, you've got to be so athletic to do that style. A lot of the fighters out of that gym were very athletic, and you know, taking nothing away from him, he was a very talented guy, but I, I just don't think that style suited him, and he was trying to be more. You know, it was it was pushed on him more, I think, than a lot of the others. It came a lot naturally for, especially with the success of Hamid. 
But yeah, I mean, someone like Jamie Moore, who, you know, he, he, he was kept at that level for far too long, I think. You know, where, where someone like Ricky Hatton was kept at the WBU level and people crying out for him to get the big fight and a big fight, and, it, you know, and eventually it did come with like someone like Kostya Zhu. I think with Jamie Moore, you know, he was after a title fight, and with his style, it was never he was never going to have a, a long career. And it's surprising he had a career as long as he did, I think, because he was the type who came forward, he did a lot of good fights, he took a lot of uh, punishment, you know, and he, he you know he, he was hurt, he hurt his other guy, and, and I just think that was that was a shame. I mean, in, in both of these guys' cases, you know, Road should have been at the 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 weight below instead of spending a lot of his time at middleweight when he wasn't a middleweight. I think Jamie Moore should have been just pushed a little bit more, and you know I think it's credit to both guys that they fought each other when they did. I think you know in boxing they they could have maybe swerved the fight, and both you know in, in today's boxing, I mean I know this took, took didn't take place that long ago, but you know now if you have two British guys now, you probably keep them separated and try and push them both into title shots. Whereas these two fought each other, and, and it was a shame this fight couldn't have happened maybe a few years earlier or. And then both of them could have, you know, had a rematch down the line or another big fight. But it happened, and you always felt the loser was probably going to be at the end of their career, whoever that was. And going into the fight, you'd have to say Moore was obviously a big favourite, and Sky were really behind him. And I think Sky were, were just looking forward to seeing him win this fight and getting him the title shot that you know he, he probably deserved for all the tough fights he's had over his career. In the actual fight itself. Um... Like I said, the the atmosphere in the Bolton Arena was funny. I remember Adam Smith said something at the beginning, like, the crowd are going to go wild here, and it really was a little bit of a trickle, like a little bit of applause, and the, the atmosphere really wasn't wasn't that good, but I suppose if you're in the arena and you're enjoying these type of fights, you would have maybe got more out of it, but from home it, did, it didn't sound like the sort of product that Eddie's putting on at the moment, but this was a proper fight. I mean, both guys just completely came at each other from early on, and even though Jim Watt seemed to think that Ryan Rhodes was... I wouldn't say taking a beating, but I definitely thought Moore was getting yeah. the better of him early on. I thought that Rhodes was doing okay. He was switch-hitting. His movement wasn't too bad. He wasn't taking as many flush shots as they thought. And one observation I had, actually, Andy, about Moore was, despite the fact that he fought with his hands up right by his head and his elbows took down, for someone who appeared to be defensively sound, given his posture and his style, he was taking quite a few shots from pretty much early on. He was quite basic, Moore. Is that is that unfair or is that a fair enough statement? No, I, I think it's fair enough. I mean, as you say, Jim Watt, can I, you know, it's, it's like he you know, always does. He goes with this. He, he thinks of something, goes with the narrative, and just sticks with it. You know, I think Rhodes basically says, you know, the, the in the first round it was to kind of box and move, and he kind of realised like the amount of pressure that that Moore was putting on him. He just couldn't move and box, you know, for for that length of period for for twelve rounds. But was he thirty two, two years older than uh, than Moore? He even had the, the you know. Um, the more the more fights, so yeah, you know, I would probably say that even Rhodes, you know, box he yeah, boxed pretty well in the back foot. You know, round three, I thought he was kind of like, you know, because of Moore's pressure, he was having to kind of like do it in the back foot, tuck up, roll it a distance, and that. But he was he was taking some 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 flush shots. You know, Moore just kept the pressure up going. But I sort of often wonder as if if Moore was really tight the way. You know, surprised he just didn't kind of really try and feel his way into the fight. Kind of, you know, just judge his gas tank because. As the fight gradually wore on, you could just see it kind of like eking out of him. But as I said, the pressure, the non-stop pressure on Rhodes, you just kind of thought to yourself, okay, you need to change it up. And he did. He just he stood in the pocket with him. You know, he rolled with some shots, he parried some shots, he caught some shots. You know, I know everything that Moore was throwing was, was actually landing, but if you could see it, potentially the harder shots were definitely get landing by Moore. 
especially um, over the duration of the fight. He's starting to plant a couple on Ryan Rhodes, and there's one to the head, and he's shaking here a little, Ryan Rhodes, and he's been taken out in three before by Lee Blundell. Can more capitalise? I think more went after him because he just didn't think that uh, Rhodes could take what he was going to dish out. I mean, obviously we've mentioned that Rhodes was um, knocked out, and you know, a couple of times before that, you know, by you know, pretty much guys he, he shouldn't have been knocked out by. And I think more just felt he was a bigger, powerful guy, and he was just going to put it on him. And you know, he did look like he was having you know success. Obviously, he was landing to, to to the head a lot, but I thought Rhodes really took the the shots well. And I didn't think you know for the first few rounds, especially he. He didn't seem bothered at all by the power and was standing in the pocket even when he was getting, you know, moaned at by Dave Caldwell. But he seems to take the power really well. And it was uh, Moore, I felt, who, who was the one who didn't take the shots as well. And it was um, Rhodes who looked the bigger puncher to me out of the two. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got the impression as well that, I mean, I give Moore the first four rounds based on, like, just his relentlessness and his aggression. But I don't know, it seemed to me he was almost forcing his work in this fight. Um, he kind of had the look of a guy to me. I mean, Steve mentioned all the tough battles he'd been in against the likes of, of course, Macklin, you know, the, the fights with Jones and Facey and all those type of guys. Ozzy Duran. Ozzy Duran as well. I mean, you know, he, he had the look of a guy who had gone to the well one too many times almost. As, as you say, I mean, I think it was uh, the first four rounds pretty much more, I wouldn't say bossed a bit. De definitely, if you look at the fight, if it's in itself, you would think that because Rhodes was backing up, he was basically like, you know, getting getting basically hammered. But if you look at it going into the fifth, Moore was really, really blown heavily. I just, I just don't think the steam or, the, or even the snap was there in his punches anymore. And I think that's, you know, they even they revert to even landing a low blow at one point on Rhodes. Yeah, that, that's, that was actually funny, Andy, because he landed a low blow in the fifth round, but actually it was Rhodes who was spurred on from that. And, you know, Moore seemed to lack, as you say, seemed to lack a bit of zip, a bit of energy. I don't know, I mean... Because uh, he, yeah, he was holding more off, actually, uh, midway through that fifth round after, as you say, he got back up. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, as I said, I, I, think he may, I, I think he may have just... Um, you know, we, as we said, he, he, was, he stayed... I think he stayed at um, that level for so long, became stagnant, and he's, he was in so many tough fights as well. I, I think it all caught up with him on this night. Which the thing is, he's probably just thinking that because he's, he's he's a bigger light middleweight or whatever it is, and he's seen the likes as you say the the two fights at middleweight getting basically evaporated. I mean, as we mentioned there, the just before we actually went live, actually the guy was it was a Brundell, massive massive weight difference against the guy. I mean, obviously you can just see that Rhodes was probably a career light light middleweight. So maybe as you say Moore's went in there, I think he could blast him out early doors, being the older man, and uh, he just you know the Pistons just went. And I, yeah. I think confidence played a large part as well. Like I said, I felt more felt he had. He could really put it on roads and really, you know, maybe he felt he didn't have the heart, he didn't have the chin, he couldn't, he didn't have the stomach for the fight at that stage. And I think after the first four rounds, I think at the end of the fourth, roads hurt him more. He had, he had definitely had a good uh, last 30 seconds. And I think after that, it changed. I think more realised, you know, shit, this is, this is going to be a hard fight. And maybe he didn't have much left in him. And roads, I think he seemed to gain confidence and realised I can take his stuff. Yeah. He, he can't take mine. And that's if you notice, there was a lot of bit of a swag around uh, Ryan Rhodes in the next round and he really he, you know he, he played that Ingle style a lot more in the, in, in the next round and then you know he seemed to go back and forth but he, he seemed to be like 
he just looked like Jamie Moore was at the end of his career. You know, I take nothing away from Ryan Rose because both guys going in, you know, this was a, basically a career ender to the loser. And he just seemed after three or four rounds, he hadn't got Rose out of there. He hadn't really hurt Rose at all. And, you know, Rose just stood in there and he just looked like he had more fight left in him at that point. And I think uh, more, you know, he knew then he, he just had to go off broke. He, I don't think he, he felt comfortable going like that. He could go the 12 rounds either at that pace. Round 6 was fantastic though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, round six was fantastic. But just to go back to Kurt's point there on, on the fourth round, I mean, I give the fourth to uh, Moore for his overall work, but uh, I think it was a very crucial point right at the end that where Moore was back up. Right hand. I, yeah. Right hand, yeah. And I, it was very crucial because I think at that point, Rhodes knew he had the power to not only back Moore up, but to also hurt him. And as, as Kurt mentioned, his confidence after that, or Rhodes' confidence rather, was sky high. Jamie Moore said beforehand that Ryan Rhodes doesn't believe he can win this fight deep down. You know, that's psychology, but they know each other well, these two. Good friends. But good friends and giving us this. Great stuff. Better from Rhodes. And Moore is just backed up for the first time at the end of the fourth. Look, Neil was hurt with a punch just before that little exchange. Rhodes sensed it and stepped in. Tremendous action, this is. Yeah, the end of the fourth, eh? Yeah, I was going to make that same point, Andy, actually, as well. I think it was the end of the fourth. He came back at him. Then in the fifth, Moore was starting to f a flag a little bit, and I actually made a note. Jim Watts said, A lot more confidence in Ryan Woods' work in this round. It's not as though he's not just making up the numbers. He's not just showing us how brave he is. It's as though he believes that he can win this. Which is a bit of an overstatement. I don't think he particularly was making up the numbers, but that was Jim's way of saying that Moore was... Moore was starting to flag and Rhodes was starting to come into it now. He was starting to box his way into it. And I think the thing was with Moore, you, went, you mentioned it, guys. Sometimes a boxer has to go to the well one, one uh, time too many. Moore had gone to the well against Michael Jones to beat him in one of their three fights. He'd gone to the well against Macklin. And guys these days are fighting for world titles against people who are worse than Jones, who are worse than Macklin. Moore as well had to dominate Michel Picciarillo. Again, there's guys here having world title fights nowadays who aren't fighting guys as good as Pichirillo. So Moore had gone to the well so many times. It was the same when Paul McCloskey uh, beat uh, Brady's Prescott and against Corley. He just he just couldn't go there again. And I think that, that was it. Moore just couldn't drag that one final uh, bit performance out of himself, which, which is obvious considering the wars he'd had, because I think he felt that Rhodes wouldn't be able to stand up to it. And when Rhodes did stand up to it, Moore just couldn't physically, mentally, maybe a bit of both, just, just fight back. That's no shame. That's not to Moore's detriment at all. But maybe managerially and promotionally, they could have manoeuvred him into that world title shot or whatever. But, um, yeah, definitely I thought he was starting to flag around that sixth round. And then, of course, in the seventh round, guys, we all know what happened. Yeah. The, the big one came out of the blue. Yeah, well, you see, I think that was Moore finally, finally you know, final uh, last trip to the well because that was that was a hellacious fucking right hand. If you look at the jab, actually, that, that Moore threw, and the way that Rhodes rolled, uh, rolled to the right, it just basically, it was enough just to kind of square Moore up, and he just, just chinned him with a sweet right hand. What is it? Oh, oh. for a right hand to Ryan Rhodes! Down for his Jamie Moore! Big, big oh. knockdown! And early in the seventh, can he recover from this? Seven, eight, eight. Seventh time he's hit the deck through his career! He's normally found a way back, but that was a heavy fall, and Ryan Rhodes stands on the brink of his biggest ever win! It was a delayed reaction, falls into the ropes and stuff, and you think to yourself, right, that's it, Rhodes is going to get on top of him here. 
what happens, Moore just comes back and he's just, at one point it did look like that Moore had actually got his legs back under him and his head was clear at one point but, you know, Rhodes, I thought he was pretty you know, educated going in there for, for that kill and he just bided his time. It could have turned out badly for him but at the same time as, you know, if you drop a guy like that, usually it's going to take a wee bit longer to, to, to recover and you say as that was probably his last last big effort from Moore because if you saw him after that actually, he just yeah. didn't have him in him and he committed yeah, fight. It, it, it was the last hurrah, Andy, wasn't it? That yeah. last little rally for more. And after that, I mean, he actually, if you look, if you, if you look at it again, he actually gave Rhodes a free shot almost, didn't he? That right yeah. to the temple, that right to the temple, which sent more stumbling back. He was just road. standing there, Dave, wasn't he? Square yeah. on, like, he, he didn't really know he, what to do in time. <laughs> he was, he, he was spent, uh, Kurt, and he just basically said, yeah, it was like he was saying, yeah, come on, finish me off, kind of a thing. I mean, he had nothing <laughs> left. I, I, I think he just, the, the fight showed that Ryan Rhodes just had more wrinkles to his game. I mean, Jay Moore really only had one way of fighting, and once Rhodes could deal with that, what was his plan B? What else could he do? There was nothing else he could really do, so he just had to hope that him implying pressure, coming forward, you know, being big and strong, would break Rhodes down. And you know, I could see why you know people thought he would be able to do that, you know, going by the history. But you got to remember, you know, that was a, a higher weight, and Rhodes obviously wasn't suited to that weight, and. You know, in, the, in this fight, he just he could do more things. You know, he could stand in the pocket and fight, and he could go on the run and you know, you know, do the Ingle Star move about, switch stances. He he could change it all up. And you've got to say, you know, full credit to, to both guys because they took some big shots. But you know, Jamie Moore, when he got caught with that right hand, a lot of guys would have just said, you know, fuck this, I'm staying down. But he he got up, and not only did he get up, he fought. You know, this I've only got one last chance. I'm just gonna, you know, in desperation, I'm just gonna swing and try. I got, I can only win now by hurting this guy and stopping him. And he, he went all out, and you know, he was doing really well until he seemed to have nothing left again after a big rally. And then Rose just picked him up with a really nice, you know, overhand right hand that, you know, just knocked all everything out of him. I thought it was interesting that um, I was watching retrospectively, obviously as we all are, but the performance of Oliver Harrison in the corner, knowing the way Murray. Uh, went into the later fight against Golovkin and a lot of people were quite critical of him for not pulling him out. There was no real sort of uh, danger of the tail coming in or Harrison. He seems like a fairly brave corner man. I think this was another reiteration of that point. Uh, there was no no chance they were going to jump in and pull him out of there or anybody have any comments on the Oliver Harrison situation? Nobody cares as much as me about this obviously. <laughs> <laughs> And what about the what about the opposite corner then? Ryan Rose, Dave Caldwell in the corner. He seems to got a, you know he's got a few big jobs now. Uh, David Price, Tony Bellew, Caldwell, former product of the Ingle Gym. Maybe he was a better trainer for Rhodes, as you said, Andy, than the Ingles. Uh, or was it Dave Lee? So I, I think you're saying about the way Rhodes was sort of stuck between two stars. But I actually agree with Dave's point there. I think that maybe they were trying to mould him into an Ingle fighter where he was maybe better whenever he was orthodox boxing. He was certainly better. I thought mostly orthodox in this fight, but um, it was a, a tale of two corners really, but I just did notice that about Harrison, and Caldwell's turned out to be a, a good little trainer as well, but I mean, unless anybody has anything to say about that, we can obviously look at the fight afterwards, uh, I'll just give my two pence worth on more for a start, had one fight, Sergei Komitsky on the David Hay, John Ruiz on the card, and he, he was gone by then, there was nothing left for more, I think, I, I just remember him uh, in, with a re resigned f uh, look on his face, just sitting on the stool, the the towel on the back of his neck and he just knew he hadn't got it anymore and he, he retired, he got out of there to six years ago when, when he needed to, I think. Was, was there no uh, word as well about a, a failed brain scan or was that an issue with a scan that he had? 
I don't remember that unless the guys recall anything about that. No, I mean, he, the, the, there was like rumblings of him making a comeback, wasn't there? I mean, I know he mentioned it on Twitter a few times that he said uh, that kind of like desire to come back and uh, right a few wrongs in his career. Obviously, you know, what happened to him then kind of unfortunately put paid to that. Um, but, you know, against Kamitsky, he, he looked like a fighter who had just nothing left in the tank, didn't he? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real shame as well. I mean, when Moore was flying high, you know, I'm talking about when he was beating Macklin, beating Sebastian Ruan and, you know, those type of guys. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm trying to remember my kind of like my time period and making sure I'm getting it right here. But, I mean, at the same time, you had guys like uh, Corey Spinks and Cornelius K9 Bunridge and Bernard Phillips trading belts left, right and centre. I mean, don't tell me more couldn't have mixed with those guys. I mean, you could have. Yeah, I, I think there's got to be questions asked to Frank Maloney, to be honest with you. I think we've seen it in a few different careers. Uh, Martin Lindsay's career as well, the way he was left to stagnate at British title level for so long, was never even pushed onto European title level, and ended up... Rendell Munro as well, he went on for ages and ages before he got the shot in Japan. I think Frank, or Kelly, as, as he's known in his latest incarnation, as, as well as he did for Lennox Lewis and that whole heavyweight product, I think he has a lot to answer for, to be honest with you, I, with the way he handles some of his other fighters. Because I think Munro was actually offered the uh, Cordoba fight, and I could be wrong, but obviously the Cordoba fight ended up going to uh, Bernard Dunn, we all yeah. know what happened there. But I think Munro was offered that fight, and I think Maloney turned it down, so... I think from from both guys though it's 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 a shame and there's going to be like regret when they look back because you're talking about Jane Moore then he stagnated for too long and he, he should have got a shot when you know momentum was there and I think it's the same for Ryan Rhodes I mean this was a WBC eliminator he won the fight when did he get the WBC shot two years later I mean against Canelo I mean that's a long time especially when Rhodes went into that fight with most people thinking you know this is it you know he's, he's not far off the end himself and he was in a tough fight there and he's in that kind of boxing limbo where he's waiting for this guy to give him the shot the guy's you know a Mexican guy who's got the power to basically dictate with the WBC so Ryan Rhodes is there he needs to fight to, to make money but he doesn't want to have a high risk fight because if he loses that's his shotgun so he has to like been boxing limbo, fighting these guys like Luca Messi, Rocky Jr., terrible fight, you know, while he waits, and then when he finally gets the shot, it's two years down the line, I'm not saying he would have beat Canelo, you know, before that, but he deserved his shot, you know, whether you agree with it or not, that was an eliminator, he deserved his shot, and being messed around for two years, we've seen it with, you know, a few other guys with WBC over the years, and it, it's just sad that, you know, both guys really should have got the chance when, you know, the momentum was behind them, you know, it, it, it might, things might have been different for them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I hadn't even realised, Kurt, that um, in hindsight that he had been messed around for so long, but he really was left to wither, just looking at his record there, like you say. I mean, it was a good long time, um, eight or nine months, till he fought Messi in the defence of the European title. Then this junior, who looks like it was a bit of a nondescript fight on a local show, and then eventually he gets the Alvarez fight. Yeah. As you say, he doesn't want to take too many risks, but he really was left on the vine. Yeah, it's the same thing happened with um, Joe Salusigan, if you remember. He won a eliminator. Yes. And he, he had to wait. I think he finally got a shot at Lucas Matisse, but it was about a year and a half later or two years later. He just got messed around because when guy one's a name and one isn't, you know, they seem to be able to dictate. It's just, like I said, it's sad. You know, he, whatever you think of the rankings or, you know, a guy wins the fight, you know, he, well, you know, he, he should be getting his, his fight. Not saying it has to happen, like, you know, three months later, but the next fight, in theory, should have been that fight. And, you know, he, he didn't get it. And I think he, he had to wait so long. And by the time he got to Alvarez, 
it was two years after that fight, and you know, it, it's a long time to wait, especially when you're not fighting decent opposition, because you know you got to make sure you get your shot, and it's just it's that's how boxing works, unfortunately, for the the lesser guys. I'm sure that Rhodes once said that after he beat Murat, he seems happy to make a few European title defences just to kind of put a few quid in the bank. But if I remember rightly, actually, as well, about the WBC situation was, I'm sure uh, Sergio Martinez was interim champion around about this time, around about the Moore fight, and uh, he'd been up and waiting for was it Paul Williams the first time. And that basically vacated the title up for, um, I'm right in saying that it was Canelo then went in and fought for the title. Cause I think Chavez was, was running about there at that time as well, but yeah, he went up the middle way. This is the thing, I mean, he, he beats more and he has to wait, or he chooses to wait. I mean, I'm sure if he'd been offered the fight, a big fight, he would have took it though after that. But then Canelo wins it against Matthew Hatton. I mean, it, it makes no sense really, but. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Andy. I'm try I've just brought the record up. That's right. He'd beaten Cintron for the interim, moved up for Williams, and then went on to fight Pavlik and then the Williams rematch. I wonder how... It would have been a big ask, wouldn't it, if Moore had got the shot at Martinez, which was talked about. If he'd have managed to get through Rhodes, uh, given what we know now, he would have had a lot of miles on the clock. Nah, and it would have been too much. Like, that's Pete Martinez at that time, mate. Yeah. Was close to it anyway, yeah. I. Yeah. The movement, the speed and power, as you say, you know, I, I don't even think that, that, you know, obviously the both are southpaws, but I just think that, you know, his elusiveness would have been too much for me. I mean, okay, the pressure and that, but I just think athleticism and the fact there's a fight with Paul, I mean, at 154, Moore probably still struggling with the weight, you know, even though he's no excuses, no sore grapes after the fight and stuff like that, you know, I think it would have been too much. And Definitely would have been too much. With more now working on Sky, you know, alongside Matchroom, you know, he, he must be there, sat there thinking, I wish I was around now because, you know, even if he, you know, even if he wouldn't be a world champion, he could be someone like Martin Murray who has like four, three or four title shots, you know, goes around the world facing the, the top guys, you know, nothing, no shame in facing the top guys and losing, you know, maybe more, uh, more wouldn't have been good enough to be a world champion, he would be the best in the division, but, you know, he would, he, he's a guy who deserved a shot and, for one reason or another, he just never got it, and you know he had to stay around that um, that kind of level for too long. And by the time he got to fight Rhodes, for you know even if he beat Rhodes, he would have been in the same position another two years waiting. I mean, what what chance would he have had by that point anyway? So it's just a shame how it works out. I think my final comments um, will be a great fight between two great warriors. Rhodes really pulled it out of the bag more. We know he was shop-worn by that point, but it really was an awesome fight for as long as it lasted, and those are the type of fights that we all enjoyed. It was only seven years ago. It feels like a lifetime it, away. It does, and the thing is, you've got to remember as well, isn't it great to see a fight on Sky between two top two fighters giving it their all? No pay-per-view, no bullshit, no, you know, Johnny Nelson talking shit for an hour, and no all have to, having to build it up. You just know that these two guys are going to, you know, they're going to give everything, and, you know, the winner will move on, and that's it. And, you know, you don't need no pay-per-view or no stupid, you know, interviews all week. You just get on with it, and, you know, we don't see enough of that now. But to anyone who hasn't seen it, I mean, yeah, more Rowards, great fight. You could, you know, try and find many of uh, Moore's fights because, you know, he, he put it on the line every time. Obviously, he's fighting Macklin. He's, you know, everyone knows about that. So classic, yeah. It's just, so, you know, a fighter who, you know, really, you know, he he probably wasn't good enough to be the top guy, but he he had the heart of, you know, to go out there and, you know, really put it all on the line. And as we said about this fight, you know, when he was hurt and when he was down, a lesser guy would have just stood there and t t took the count, but he didn't. He got up and he gave it one last go to. 
know, he gave everything he had, and he, he just wasn't good enough on that night. And you know, Rhodes was was excellent, and he deserved the win. Final, final question. Final qu- Sorry. Uh, well, uh, question anyway. Would you still say that Macklin Moore was a far better fight? Yes. Yeah. Overall, yeah. Final word, Dave. I just want to say, Steve. Yeah, you mentioned that it was a it was a small hard classic, bit of a str- bit of a strange atmosphere, and you know you mentioned Eddie Hearn sneering at the that the leisure centre days, leisure centre days, but you know then you look at fights like Anthony Joshua and Gary Cornish selling out almost instantly the O2 Arena. I mean, mm-hmm. what fight would you rather watch? <laughs> a sobering note from Dave Lee, I think, to wrap us up there, guys. We'll we'll call it a day for this one. That was Dave Lee on the line uh, with me, Steve Wellings, Andy Patterson, and Kurt Ward. Don't forget to go and look back at our uh, previous editions as well, guys, and go and look up this fight on YouTube if you haven't seen it before, or maybe it's been a few years like it was for me and the guys. It really is worth watching. Many of more, and also Rhodes fights as well, are worth seeking out. And uh, don't forget to tune in to YouTube on Sunday for the main Boxing Asylum Nuthouse podcast. And next week, we're going to have a really big fight for you. So uh, keep an ear out for that. I think you'll enjoy this one. Thanks, guys. We'll speak to you soon. Podcast Network.